never grow old. I like that. Thank you, ladies. I enjoyed that. Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of Acts in chapter number 10. Acts in chapter number 10. Peter is preaching to the house of Cornelius in Acts in chapter number 10. That was certainly a divine appointment. And God sent him to help this dear man and his family and loved ones. And they came to the Lord because of Peter's interest in their situation. When he begins his message, we find it over here uh, in verse number 34. And we're not going to read all that he uh, spoke to them, but I want to read this opening passage of his message to them. And would you stand with me, please, for uh, the reading of God's Word. We'll read uh, from, uh, verse number 34 and, um, uh, and read down through verse 38. So those five verses together, verses 34 through 38, and we'll read them together in unison. Read it. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, what's described here, especially in that last verse, Peter's describing the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me paraphrase what he says in that last verse. Jesus went around looking for somebody with a need. And he helped him. That's what these four men were testifying about. The withered hand. Lazarus raised from the dead. Amen? And they crossed paths with Jesus. And Jesus helped them. Amen? And, uh, and so he went about. He went about. That little phrase, he went about doing good. It speaks of a mission that he, has, every, that he had. Everywhere he went, he was looking for an opportunity to, to do good. I want to speak to you on this subject tonight. And... Uh, uh, this will be kind of a different sermon, perhaps, than maybe uh, we've ever had here. A little different. Um, but I want to speak to you on the subject, getting attention or giving attention. Getting attention or giving attention. And I hope you'll give me a good hearing. Father, please take these thoughts. I believe will be helpful to your people, Lord. I believe you directed me to this this way. And I thank you for giving these thoughts to me and the corresponding scriptures, Lord. And I pray it will make an impression on the hearts of God's people. Uh, to this end, Lord, that we might be more focused on others and going about and doing good and seeking uh, who we can help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. In Matthew nine thirty six, the Bible says that Jesus saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. In Matthew 14, 14, it speaks about his being moved with compassion. The same is true in Mark 1, 41. In Luke 19, 41, he looked over the city, the Bible said. He saw the need and he wept. He saw the need and he was moved and uh, moved 
uh, to action. Our text verse here says that he went about uh, doing good. He went about doing good. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus went about giving attention. He saw a need and he focused on that need and he met that need. And then he went somewhere else and he saw a need and he gave his attention to that need and he met that need. And he went somewhere else. Now, if you want to be like Christ, you'll give attention. You'll give attention. And I started thinking, I was meditating on this, of all the people in the Bible who sought attention rather than giving attention, the right kind of attention. I thought about Ahab. What did Ahab do to get attention? Poochie lip disease, right? He pouted. He pouted. Why? He's selfish. He's selfish. He wanted attention. He wants someone to feel sorry for him. So what do he pouted? He pouted. Now, now let me let me say this. What kind of attention are you looking for? What kind of attention do you desire? You desire. Uh, Ahab is a, is a pitiful fellow. Uh, he was henpecked for sure. His uh, his uh, his uh, wife was a daughter to a priest of Ashtaroth. That was a wicked, vile god. So she is raised up as a daughter of a vile, wicked man who led a vile, wicked religion, and she was vile and wicked, and she dominated her husband Ahab. And uh, he was henpecked. And so, but he knew what, how to get his way, and, uh, and he, he pouted, he pouted. And his wife would do anything. She had no scruples whatsoever. She'd do anything uh, to get what she wanted. And uh, that's what she did in this story. Uh, Ahab is pouting. He wants Naboth's vineyard. He had a summer palace near Naboth's vineyard. And he overlooked the vineyard. And he said, I want the vineyard. And uh, he went to Naboth and gave him a fair price. Naboth said, no, the, uh, the law teaches that that stays in the family. You, you do know that. And he, and, and he wouldn't sell to, to, uh, to Ahab. So Ahab said, uh, he pouted and cried and laid on his bed and refused to eat. And the servant said, oh, king, please eat. He goes, I don't want to eat. How can I eat if I can't have Naboth's vineyard? Wham, 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 call the ambulance. Now, let me tell you something. What a pathetic way to get attention. Pouting. Pouting. Now, we're a little more sophisticated about it when we get older. Children don't have the inhibitions that we as adults do. But adults do the same thing sometimes. Now, don't, can I get any amens at all tonight? Help me. I'm going to meddle for a while tonight. If you don't mind, say amen once in a while just so I'll know someone's in the room. But anyway, kids, you know, kids are kind of brazen about it. But sometimes, sometimes we adults do the same thing, right? 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The silent treatment. Right? Okay, let's move on here. How about Sanballat? How about Sanballat over in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19, and, and also chapter 4, and uh, verses 1 and 2. He was one of those arch enemies of the people of God as they tried to raise up the wall under Nehemiah's leadership. And the Bible said when Sanballat and uh, his cronies, uh, uh, Tobiah and, and uh, Geshem, uh, heard it, they laughed at the scorn. <laughs> God's people, <laughs> going to do a work for God. <laughs> And despise us, stupid Jews, and said, "What is this thing that you do? Well, you rebel. Ah, you're just rebelling against the king." Uh, and uh, that didn't work. They built anyway. So get over chapter four, and they uh, Sanballat heard that we builded the wall. He got he was wroth. Now he got mad and took great indignation and mocked the Jews and made fun of them. 
And here's what he said. He said, what do these feeble Jews, these little weaklings, uh, will they fortify themselves? They really think they're going to build something. Will they sacrifice? They're not going to pay the price. Will they make an end of the day? They think they're going to finish this job. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? He had that cynical, negative critical, look at me, I'm smarter than everybody else in the room. I know how to critique what someone else is doing. Never build a hot dog stand himself. But he could tell somebody else what's wrong with theirs. Now, let me tell you something. You'll get attention if you criticize, but that's not, that's not the kind of attention you want. Jezebel. She was an attention getter. You know how she got hers? By her gaudy image. That's how she got it. You know, uh, uh, the Bible said in First Kings chapter nine, verse number three, thirty, that she painted her face and tired her hair. T i r e d. So that's what that mean. I don't really know. Uh, but she did something with her hair. Now, what does the Bible say? Where Peter? Peter wrote this. He said, "Look, ladies, if you want to be beautiful, ornament, uh, ornament yourself, adorn yourself with a meek and quiet spirit. Don't make it about the plating of the hair." And, uh, and the wearing of gold and so on and so forth and apparel. Now, he's not, talking about, uh, uh, he's not talking about being clothed properly. He's talking about making that the big feature. Now, ladies, I'm not trying to hear anybody's feelings, but your hair ought not be the big feature about you. If I, <laughs> if I understand the Bible right, the most attractive thing about you. Now, ladies, I, I think you ought to have pretty hair. I, I do. I think, fellas, you ought to make it so that your wife can. Take care of her hair, and it, it, I'm, I'm glad the Bible said it's a, her adornment and uh, it's her glory. And, uh, and so, fellas, you ought to finance it. Amen? I thought I'd get some amens on that for sure. But anyway, uh, it, it ought to be so. But, but Jezebel, she painted herself up. Jezebel was gaudy. Jezebel was gaudy. And she painted herself up, and she wanted, uh, she wanted uh, the wrong kind of attention. She wanted the wrong kind of attention. Now look, people today do all kind of crazy things, right? What do they want? They want attention. More attention. You know, uh, 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 I, 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 <laughs> let me go here again. You know, uh, I, I, I understand, uh, uh, okay, pink is not a natural hair color. Can, can I just say it that way? Yeah, purple is not a natural hair color. Okay. Uh, 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 give me another one. <laughs> uh, uh, yellow. <laughs> What's the green? What do you call that really bright green? Bright green. Bright green. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the help there. What do you call it? Lime green. There we go. That'll work. Lime green. That's not a natural hair color. You understand? Now, the only reason a person would do that is why? That's all. That's the only reason. Look, that lady has blue hair. Now, can I tell you something? Listen, you know what, Christians? You won't be like Jesus. Don't, don't. And I'm not saying you're wicked if you chose lime green hair. I didn't make you wicked. It, I think, personally, I think it makes you silly. Personally. I'm not trying to be ugly. I just, it makes no sense. And uh, anyway, enough of that. But, but what we ought to do is we ought to be going around looking to give attention. Amen? That's what Jesus did. To give attention. Not try to get attention. Uh, uh, think about the, uh, the strange woman. Uh, Herodias' daughter would be an example of this. What did she want? She wanted unholy attention. She wanted unholy attention. Uh, uh, how? Uh, the way she, look at me. The way she moved and the way she dressed. That's how she got her attention. 
the way she moved and the way she dressed. Now, I'd like to help you for just a second without you getting mad at me. (laughs) I'd like to help you for just a second. When you start making little changes, little subtle changes for attention's sake, you're going down the wrong way. I said you're going down the wrong way. I'm not saying little subtle change makes you an instant heathen. I'm just saying if you're doing that now, it's because you didn't have nothing else in the closet or you outgrew something or whatever, that's one thing. But if you intentionally... Somebody help me. It's lonely up here. If you intentionally... They say, look, I think I think I might catch somebody's eye. What, kind, what, what, uh, what eye are you trying to catch? If, if, if you will use... If you will use... Uh, how to say this? If you use lousy means to get a guy's attention, you'll get a lousy guy. Amen. So look, you're women of God. You have something going for you the world doesn't have. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And purity and decency and respect for yourself and your God and for others. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to the ladies. This also applies to the men. More so to the ladies tonight, of course. Uh, the whole sermon's not the latest time. But anyway, but, but in this area, more so the strange woman, she knew how to get attention, the wrong kind of attention, by the way she dressed and by the way she walked. And by, for Herodias' daughter at work, because the, the, can you imagine this? He had to be drunk when he said this. I'll give you half of my estate. You know, drunk people are generous. I remember I, I, I used to live, I delivered pizzas, you know. Back in that delivered pizza, I loved to find drunks. They were generous. Now, that, 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 it's silly, but it's sad, isn't it? Now, let me tell you something. You don't need to, you don't have to move a certain way, dress a certain way to get attention. No, 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 no. We're not, not just to be drawing that kind of attention. Uh, uh, but we ought to be giving attention. Giving attention. Listen, this is a little sensitive. I want to say it the right way appropriately. Fellas, ladies, listen to this concept. Children, listen to this concept. Do you know what makes marriage so beautiful? One of the things that makes marriage so beautiful, listen carefully, sensitive but so important. Do you know one of the things that makes marriage so holy and so beautiful is the exclusivity of the enjoyment. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? God made a man to enjoy his wife and a wife to enjoy her husband in an exclusive, lifelong commitment that no one else is supposed to intrude into. And the beauty of marriage done God's way is the exclusivity of that marriage. That is a hidden treasure. Now, may I say this? And this is I want to say this appropriately, but this will be a little frank. Any woman on the world, in the world, can get lousy attention by pulling something one way or the other, up or down or tighter or what. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. That doesn't take anything. That doesn't make you special. But I tell you what will make you set apart from this world is purity 
and sanctity and modesty and meekness and quiet. Somebody say amen. That's the wrong kind of attention, girls. I beg you to listen to pastor tonight. Let me be like a daddy to you for just a minute. Please, please, please. Don't go down that road. You don't want that kind of attention. You don't want to catch that kind of a man. How about Job's friends? I call them mouthy. 30 plus chapters we have to read what they mouthed off about. I get so tired when I read the book of John, I can't wait to get to the end. I'm ready for God to send a lightning bolt out of heaven and strike those mouthy friends off into eternity, but he does, and he gets on to Job. And then I'm feeling sorry for Job. But Job gets right, and boy, it's glorious after that for Job. But you know what? You ever meet somebody like that? Rude, talking over you, giving unsought advice, interrupting, droning on and on and on. They they think they got the answer for everybody. Mouthy, 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 mouthy. Now, now let me tell you something. You know, sometimes Jesus didn't say anything. You remember that, right? He didn't say Sometimes he just kept his mouth completely shut. How about the Gibeonites? Over in Joshua in chapter number 9, verse 12 to 13. How about the Gibeonites? You remember the Gibeonites? Israel came into the promised land and they uh, crossed uh, the Jordan River there and then they conquered uh, Jericho and they got a little proud and uh, then they got whooped by Ai, but they came back and conquered Ai. Shortly after that, word had gotten around all the neighboring nations and the Gibeonites showed up and you know, they had moldy bread, tattered clothes, the soles of their shoes were flopping. That's in the Hebrew. Uh, what they want? They want sympathy. Look at us. Feel sorry for us. Make a league with us. We, we come a long way. We, 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 they were being deceptive is what they are being. You remember that? You remember this story? They are being deceptive. They didn't want Joshua to come in and overrun them and kill them all. So they came and they pretended like they were just the most pitiful people in all the world come so far on this long, long journey. And Joshua didn't even take time to pray about it. He said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. We'll make a pact with you. And foolish, foolish Joshua on that point. Now, let, let, let me say, this: God's people ought to go around, uh, go around seeking attention uh, uh, in sympathy uh, uh, by, by trying to get sympathy. Oh, I'm just so exasperated. Oh, my life is just so... so, so. No, not God's people. God's people ought to give attention, not seek attention. Amen. I told you what much of a mess you ever heard before. I'm so overwhelmed. All right. How about Jacob's children? Take the, I want you to see this one. Turn to Genesis 35. Genesis 35. Now, I, I'm not... Uh, I, this, this passage commends Jake, Jacob's children because the trick is... They had grown up. They had grown up worldly. They didn't know any better. And evidently their father never taught them. And, um, but Genesis 35, uh, Jacob's children wanted, wanted attention for their worldly look. For their worldly look. Now, I, I wish I could go back and, and this, I, I, I discovered this while I was teaching uh, Genesis to the Sunday school class, uh, I guess about a year ago or something like that. And uh, boy, uh, but but great things have happened. G- Genesis 32 is Jacob when uh, the uh, the angels uh, of God meet him, 
and uh, and then uh, later in the chapter he wrestles alone all night long and I, I will not let go except thou bless me and uh, he wants God's blessing and uh, Jacob uh, in chapter 33 he gets stuck over there in in uh, in uh, Shechem at the end of chapter 33 and stays another 10 it's been 20 years out of the will of God and he stays another 10 years out of the will of God and dying and all that disaster kind of sh- shakes him up and his sons become murderers and his daughter gets defiled and he's like, okay, it's time for me to finally get back in the will of God. It's been like 30 years now. And now we're Genesis 35. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. He said, Jacob, it's time for you to get back to Bethel. Bethel's where he first God first revealed himself to him so many years ago. Remember that? When he fled the first time, he's going down and he saw the, the ladder and the angels going up and down and God revealed himself to Bethel, uh, at Bethel to Jacob. Jacob made some promises. He says, God, if you'll take care of me and all this and I'll tie and I'll, you'll be my God. So all that commitment that he made and he kind of forgot about it for the next 30 years. We get to Genesis 35. God said, Jacob, it's time to go back to Bethel. So he's ready to go. Now, now keep in mind, when he left, he had no children. All of his children were born and reared to this point completely out of the will of God. You understand? Now, God's hand was still on Jacob, no doubt about it. God's providential hand. But Jacob left because of his sin, and, uh, and Jacob is away from God. Tragedies hit this family. Now, here's what happens. God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there. Make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, Look at this. Bethel means the house of God. What does Bethel mean? Girls, what does Bethel mean? Ladies, what does Bethel mean? Men, what does Bethel mean? All right, everybody's with pastor, right? We're going back to the house of God. Then Jacob said unto his household, remember he's got two wives and a bunch of kids, to all that were with him, he's got servants, he's got a bunch of stuff, he's very wealthy. Number one, put away the strange gods that are among you. Number two, and be clean. And number three, change your garments. And let us arise and go to Bethel. Bethel means what? So here's what he said. He said, all right, now, I know this is a new thought to y'all. Y'all are not used to this. We hadn't, we hadn't really been raised. I hadn't really raised you this way. He said, but your dad used to go to the house of God, and, um, and that's where I was reared, and God's been speaking to me, and God told me I need to go back to the house of God. So we're all going. We're going as a family. The whole household is going. He said, so you're going to have to do some things. He said, you, you can't, that right there you can't bring with you. Those gods, those false gods, you can't bring that. You're going to have to get rid of them. And number two, you, you're all going to have to get cleaned up. We're going to the house of God. You get cleaned up. Amen. And I still believe Sunday ought to be a special day for God's people. I know it's not a holy day. Every day is holy. I understand that. But I think this what we're doing is special. And I like the fact that you, you know, you smell good when you come. Amen. I like that. I think you ought to get yourself appropriate. And uh, that's what he's saying. He said, be clean. He said, and you're going to have to, you can't wear that. Change your garments. See that? Three things. He said, get rid of the idols. Get cleaned up. And put the right clothes on. Change your garments. Isn't that interesting? He's going to take his family. Where? The house of God. He says, what won't you do? Get rid of your idols. Get cleaned up. Put some fresh clothes on. Now look what happened. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Look at this. And they gave unto Jacob 
all the strange gods which were in their hand. Look at the next phrase. And all their earrings which were in their ears. Where did Jacob tell him to give the earrings? He didn't. You know what those earrings were associated with? Idol worship. Jacob said you got to have to give up your idols. They had the idols in their hands. You have to give up those idols. When it was time to give up the idols, they came. They said, we're going to, we're going to Bethel. Bethel's what? What's Bethel? We're going to the house of God, right? We're going to have to get cleaned up. We're going to have to change our clothes. And we're going to have to give our idols up. And they came to give their idols. Watch me, watch me, watch me. They came to give their idols. And when they gave their idols, they said, oh yeah, this too. Nobody told them to do that. They said this too. You know what they had no sense to know? That, that doesn't mean you're idol worshiper. It just made you look like an idol worshiper. Uh, worldly associations. You know what? It's a fad. It's almost become a fad in Christian circles. We borrowed the world's music. We chopped our Bible all up and watered it down. And we even borrowed the world's look. Borrowing the world's look. Uh, take your Bibles to, to turn to Leviticus chapter number 19. Turn to Leviticus chapter 19 on this point right here. Leviticus chapter number 19. Uh, verse number um, verse number 27. There's a whole list of things that God is condemns in this passage, and some of them extremely serious. Uh, uh, but, but notice some of the things he mentions. Uh, well, the, the, start verse 26, sort of give you a, a, a context. So you shall not eat anything with the blood, neither shall you use enchantment, that's magic, and, nor observe times as astrology, that's as anything, a Ouija board, a tarot cards, uh, spiritual advisors, all that's satanic. It said it's all satanic. It's out of hell. If you got one of them things in your house, I'm talking about all the stuff that promotes that. I'm talking about the, the, the rolling, uh, uh, rallying, whatever her name is. What do you call that? The guy that rides on the... Uh, uh, Harry Potter. I know Brother Hampson went down. Harry Potter. Uh, I'm, I'm, all that stuff. All that stuff. It's, it's, you're a Christian. What concord had Christ with Belial? So get it out of your house if you have it in there. Anyway, and that's what he condemns right here. But look what he condemns right after it. You shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. Now he reiterates this to the priests in the next chapter. Uh, uh, and uh, and and, and uh, actually in uh, uh, in uh, uh, yeah in the next chapter chapter twenty and the Bible's not specific about it but there was something they did with their beard and with their hair don't don't round it I I don't really I all I can do is try to imagine what that was now I don't think that there's any is nothing morally wrong. You know, with, you know, bzz, you know, I'm number 23, bzz, number 23 in my head when I play my ball game. That's not in itself a moral issue of right or wrong. You say, well, why would God forbid don't do that? Same thing. Worldly associations. Look, we're God's people. Look, God's people, listen to me. You should not seek 
to get attention by taking cues from the world. Amen. One of the men on staff asked me one time, Pastor, would you care if I did this? And what he asked me was perfectly fine. It was nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Uh, and he said, uh, would you, would, what would you think about that? Would you mind that? I said, I'd rather you not. I'll tell you why. Because it's a fad right now in the world. And, of course, Brother Hamilton's worldly. We all know that. And uh, this is throw Brother Hamilton on the bus today. But, no. But, anyway. But, but it, that whatever, whatever was asked of me was just, just it was kind of common in the world. It was kind of a, you know, getting, how things change, you know. How many of you still got bell bottoms? You still got bell bottoms? Hang on to them in a couple of weeks. They're going to be worth a bunch on eBay. But anyway, uh, but you know how fads go. They come around and go around. And, and, and I'm just saying that God, the Bible said, love not the world. Love not the world. We should not take our, our fashion cues from the world. Somebody say amen. No, 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 no. We, you, you, why do we do those things? Uh, get attention. And by the way, if you're in a circle like this, you don't have to do much to get it. And you know, if you're out there, you've got to have lime green hair. But if you're in here, among God's people, separated... Anybody with me? You understand where I'm going with this, right? Separated, God's people separated from the world like we ought to be. Amen? Uh, just a little something. See, this is my ideas. Well, I like... I just... I got one question. Where'd you get it? That's all I'm asking. Did you get that from your pastor? Did you get that from your pastor's wife? Did you get it from your mom? Your dad? Did you get it from your, your, your Christian? Somebody say amen. How about Absalom? Absalom was the quintessential bad boy of the Old Testament. The rebel look. Now, I want you to listen to this. Listen to this. Let me tell you what kind of guy Absalom was. 2 Samuel 14, 26 says, He weighed his hair. What kind of man weighs his hair? Seriously? He cut his hair once a year. And he weighed it. That's a... That's creepy if you ask me. That's just weird. Fellas, look at me. A man ought not to have a fetish for his hair. A man ought not spend one-tenth of what his wife spends on his hair. Men, let me introduce you to someone. Let me let me introduce you. Would you stand up there, brother? Would you stand up for me just a minute? Ladies and gentlemen, men, this is a barber. This is a barber. Can you say amen right there? A barber. Look, I'm not going to send my wife to the barber, and I am not going to her hairdresser. Thank you, Brother Dave. Appreciate that. By the way, he did a good job on my head too, didn't he? Amen. Listen, why do we do some of this stuff? We get attention. We get attention. We get attention. Let me say, there's something else Absalom did to get attention. He coddled disgruntled people. He coddled disgruntled people. The Bible tells about it in 2 Samuel 15. The Bible says he stole the hearts of the people. You know what he did? He did. Here's what he did. When a teenager got in trouble, and you could see it on their face, he'd go over to them and say, They get you too? (laughs) 
can't believe they treat you like that. <laughs> now, what I'm saying is this. Your leader is an idiot. And they don't care about you, but I care about you. And I'm over here to console you. That's, that's disloyal. That's stabbing somebody in the back. First of all, you have no clue what it's like to be in that position. Absalom never been a king before. And everybody comes to have a need. And he met him at the city gates. He said, I, what, what, what you need? He said, well, I'm here to see your dad. Oh, boy, I wish he could see you. You know, dad's so busy. He's so busy. He just can't get to everybody. I wish he'd let me help him, but you know how he is. He likes to do everything by himself. What, what's going on anyway? Oh, really? Oh, that's awful. You know, I really wish Dad would give me a chance because if he did, boy, I tell you what, I'd do now. I'd fix that right there. You wouldn't be going through that. You wouldn't get treated like that if, if he'd give me a shot, but he ain't never going to. You know how he is. He's a backstabber, wasn't he? He's a disloyal rebel. Now, you listen to me. You kiss somebody, get in trouble. First of all, if you get in trouble, keep your mouth shut. If your buddy gets in trouble, keep, keep your mouth shut. If your girlfriend gets in trouble, your, your uh, friend, uh, uh, keep your mouth shut. And don't go around and act like somebody. And by the way, by the way, you, 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 if you're an adult, I don't think there's anybody like this in the room, but I, I've, I've seen enough of them. Let me just go ahead and shoot this over the bow, too. If you're an adult and you have the gall and audacity to try to coddle someone else's child because you perceive that their parents are too strict or too hard on them, you're nothing more than a a stinking Absalom yourself. Absalom coddled. The Pharisees, I gotta hurry here. The Pharisees. John 9, 29, don't touch John 9, 29. That's the story of the man that's born blind. And the disciples said, Lord, who, who sent this man and his parents? He said, neither one. This man uh, was blind so that the works of God could be made manifest in his life. And then Jesus healed him. The man got healed and the word went all over town. The Pharisees started asking questions. And he said, uh, how'd, you get, how'd you get healed? He said, well, this man, Jesus. And he did this, this, and I was healed. And he said, Jesus, we don't know who he is. And, uh, and, uh, and so he went to his parents and said, is that your son? Was he actually born blind? Yeah, that's definitely our son. And he was blind. Yeah, he was blind. How'd it happen? He's an adult. Ask him. Go back to him again. Ask him again. And they asked him two or three times. He looked at me. and said, you know, you guys are awful curious about this man. And you want to be one of his disciples. He said, we're no disciple of Jesus Christ. We don't know who he is. Here's what they said. We don't know where he's from. As if that proved something. <laughs> that's what they said. They said, we don't know where he's from. We don't know who he is. You know what that proved? That just proved they didn't know who he was or where he's from. That didn't mean he was from nowhere. <laughs> that didn't mean he wasn't somebody. It just means they were ignorant. That's all it meant. Can I tell you something? Pharisees try to get attention for being the smartest person in the room. Trying to make others look ignorant. That's what they were doing. It reminds me of Barney Fife locking him in the jail cell looking at Andy. Who looks foolish now, Sheriff? Now, the Samaritans make themselves look like, uh, excuse me, the Pharisees made themselves look like idiots. Why? They thought they knew something they didn't know and tried to belittle someone who did know something. How about them that stand by in Acts 23, 1 through 5? Peter is, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, the, the Apostle Paul, Acts, let me, let me read it for you. Uh, Acts uh, ch- uh, chapter 23, and, uh, uh, and um, uh, the first verse is there. Uh, in Acts chapter number 23, Paul is, stands in front of a council. He's on trial again. He's on trial all the time. 
and said, Men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. When he said that, he said, I have a clean conscience. The high priest down there, Ananias, he said, slap him. And the men standing by slapped him in the face. And then Paul said to them, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for thou sittest to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. And look what them that stood by said. And they that stood by, revilest thou God's high priest. How dare you speak to him? They've got the apostle Paul on trial. And here, the high priest and his cronies, and and and, and he breaks the law, has a man slapped, and Paul calls him out on it, and those men say, how dare you? You know what you call that? You call that feigned indignation. You call that feigned indignation. Oh, we, we can't believe that. How, how could a man do something like that? The wicked, most wicked, vile, conniving bunch of folks, and they got Paul on trial, acting like they're all upset because somehow uh, uh, the law wasn't kept. You know what Paul did? He humbled himself. He said, I'm sorry, fellas, I didn't know his high priest. <laughs> Showed himself the better man. How about the Gnostics in Colossians 2, verse number 18? Paul talks about false humility. The Gnostics were people who believed in higher knowledge and sought a mystical higher plane of existence. They had a fascination with angels and the inner self and meditation and all that stuff. It's been around a long time. And Paul told that crowd, he said, uh, he talked about their voluntary humility. What does it mean? It means false humility. Uh, this happened to me, so I'm just going to tell it. Uh, a, a preacher friend of mine had built a new auditorium and had a dedication. And I wanted to go to it. I had some obligations. So I, I went in. I got there about 20 minutes late. And uh, I slipped on the back row. And when I sat on the back row. Uh, it was, uh, I think, one final song and then the message and so forth like that. And, uh, and anyway, there was a lady sitting in front of me. I mean, right in front of me. And she was so distracting. She didn't, she didn't look, I don't think she looked past her one time during the sermon. Had something else going on in the pew here, then over here, and then like this, and looking around, just like she's bored out of tears. And I thought, well, maybe she's unsaved. Maybe she's just new to the church, and she's not just this church thing or whatever. And a good message, a pastor delivered dedication to the building. And then we had the prayer, and then we had the invitation. When the invitation, we all stood up, and the lady in front of me started walking down the aisle, walked up on the platform, took the microphone, and turned around, there's a cross the vestry like here, and the music started, turned around. And she said, you may be asking, sister so-and-so, why did you turn your back on us? Because I want to give all my attention. And I, I want to say, where was your attention for the last 45 minutes, ma'am? I did not get a blessing from the song, can you tell? <laughs> now listen, thank God for anybody who wants to exalt Christ and lift up the cross. Amen? But it ought not be a put on. It ought not. If you're fascinated with the cross, you don't, you don't sit totally clueless and unengaged and then all of a sudden you're just... <sighs> Amen? Amen? That was just too easy not to call. <laughs> False humility. False humility. I'll tell you somebody else who sought attention. It was a disgruntled angelic being of ages past who was one of three in heaven. In charge of the music he was, light bearer. His name was Lucifer. And he was so disgruntled, he went around grumbling, 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 and eventually took one-third of the angels down with him. What's the bottom line in this? You can either live for yourself or you can live for others. That's the bottom line. 
All this attention seeking is nothing but seeking is nothing but pride. The Bible said, "Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time." We think about Joseph, who was exalted in due time. He had to wait thirteen years from age seventeen to age thirty, and here he was sold into slavery. Uh, he, he 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 never he never uh, 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 sought anything for himself. Sold into slavery. Uh, sold to Potiphar. Eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one years of age in there. Somewhere in those years, uh, uh, he became head of. Potiphar's house. I mean, Potiphar had a great household. He had a lot of servants. He had a lot of paid staff that had been there for years and years and years and years. And now here's this 18, 19, 20, 21 year old in charge of them. But he didn't seek for that position. He didn't run for that office. All he did was be have character and meet needs and serve his boss, even though he was there against his own will. He got falsely accused and put in prison. And then he got put in charge of the prison. He, he, he instituted prison reform. He even came Council of the inmates. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't trying to get a position. He wasn't trying to get attention. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself. He saw needs and he met needs and he wound up in the palace and he said, "I'll just help the Pharaoh and I helped save many lives." And God used the young man, not one who went around seeking attention, but someone who saw a need in a situation and didn't make it about himself, but looked around and said, "There's a need. I think I'll help. I think I'll help." Let me give you three statements. We'll be done. Number one, happy people don't seek attention, they give it. Happy people don't seek attention, they give it. Look, if you, if you start having to pull this this way or pull that that way to get attention, I, what, somebody's going to out-pull you. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Somebody's going to out-tug you. Right? Somebody's going to outdo you. All right? Because all the women in the world got the same equipment you've got. If that's what you're going to do to get attention, then where's it going to stop? Amen, Pastor. Now, if you're going to pout your way through life, you're not going to be happy. Settle it right now. If you're going to whine and pout your way through life, you will not be happy. We will look at you in the casket, and they will not say, she looks good, doesn't she? Well, they did a good job on him, didn't they? No, they're not going to say that when they walk by you. If you pout and gripe, your way through life, if you're a conniving rebel, whatever. No, no, no. Listen, happy people don't seek attention. They give it. Amen? They give it. That's what Peter and John did in Acts chapter number 3. Walk in. There's a man right there by the gate. They, they brought him. They had to carry him there every day. And, uh, and uh, he said, alms for the poor. And Peter looked right at him. Peter and John looked right at him. Fastened their eyes on him. They said, look at us. Silver and gold have I numbered, such as I have given to thee. Rise up and walk. And he jumped up. Amen. Peter and John weren't looking for attention. They were giving attention. Number two, happy people don't cry for themselves. They cry for others. Happy people don't cry for themselves. They cry for others. Luke 1941, Jesus beheld the city and wept over. I remember one of my college buddies went to Dr. Ray Young. We were in the bus ministry. And he had one of those brokenhearted situations on his bus route. One of those helpless situations. And he went to Dr. Young, laid the story out, said, how do I help a family like this? Listen to what he said. He said, this is what I found. Sometimes the only thing you can do for a person is weep for them. Weep for them. But may I say, dear friend, if you weep for somebody, you've done something for them. I said, number one, uh, happy people don't seek attention, they give it. Number two, happy people don't cry for themselves, they cry for others. And number three, don't pretend to be humble. Uh, Happy people don't pretend to be humble, they are humble. Humility is not thinking little of yourself. Let's get this straight. 
It's not thinking little of yourself. It's simply not thinking of yourself. Why? Because your thoughts are like Christ absorbed with others. You go about your life seeing who needs my attention. What need do I see? How can I do something to reach in and meet that need and be a blessing? Humble people don't try to be humble. They try to be a blessing. And in so doing, their lives are focused outward. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. I told you this morning about Ryan. And uh, Stacy was with me yesterday. Ryan Larson is in his 20s. Was saved on November the 14th of this last year. And we went and knocked on the door of his house yesterday. And another man came to the door. And he said, Ryan died of a heart attack on January the 6th. In his 20s. Marine. And we went back to the car. And Stacy said, Daddy, has that ever happened that way before? And I got my New Testament down. And I, 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 it surprised me. I, Teresa Martin died. She, she got saved, her and her husband, her children, all knelt down in the living room on November the 10th of 2019. And she died November the 20th of 2021. Your granddaddy, girls, Jenna, your granddad, James McNeil, Mike called me. He said, Pastor, could, could you witness to Kelly's dad? Could you go back and try again and talk to Kelly's dad? I've been in the home and talked to him about his soul and others have talked to him about his soul. And James bowed his head and received Christ as his Savior on December the 3rd, 2020. And he went to be with the Lord January the 11th. Saved on December 3rd. Went to heaven on January the 11th. I was visiting somebody, a dad and his son, that had visited our church for a season and joined the church and were real faithful for a little while and they just fell out and, and I had them on my heart and I went to see them uh, and I didn't get anybody home. I was I walked back to the truck and, and it was uh, one of those apartments you have a set of stairs that goes up. we got four on the bottom, four on the top. And then adjacent to it was another set, all in one building. And I was over here on this side, and I was walking back to my vehicle, and I glanced over my shoulder. A lady had been at the mailbox, and she was walking back to her apartment. And I was, went to get in the car, and the Holy Spirit said, you just passed somebody. Why don't, you, why don't you talk to them? And I thought, all right. So I turned around, went back, and she, was, she had sat down in a chair. Miss Polly had sat down in a chair right in front of her apartment. And I said, uh, Miss Polly, and uh, uh, she, she she was a little a little skeptical of me, quite frankly. But I began to talk to Polly Street. I guessed just I didn't ask her her age, but I guessed it's her to be in her sixties. I put this uh, in my Solomon New Testament here. But uh, she began to warm up a little bit, and she finally she said, Yes, I'll listen to what you have to say. And I got to share the gospel with her, and she got saved on June the third. 2021. When uh, when Jose Correa was killed up in Greensboro, shot to death, 
and I had his funeral, I was looking up his obituary. And when I looked up his obituary, my eyes fell on a picture of an obituary right next to it. And I said, that lady looks familiar. I opened up the obituary, and I read the name Polly Street. I said, that, I know that lady. And I grabbed my soul in his New Testament, and I looked over here. Saved on June the 3rd, 2021. Died July 25th, 2021. She's 70 years old. I'm so glad I didn't shun the Holy Spirit that day. I really am. I really am. A family used to in our church had called me and said, Pastor, my uncle's in the hospital. He's not doing well. There's a way you could go see him. And I tried my best to connect with them. And in fact, I had a man in the church that was supposed to go with me and on a certain day. And the, one of the girls had gotten sick and had stayed home from school. And we were meeting at a certain time. And, but she got sick. And so I, I called. I had already called the hospital and said, Can I bring another man with me into the room? And they said, Yes, uh, Reverend, you can do that. And so we had it planned. But then one of the girls got sick. And so I stayed back. And then I, I thought, Well, I'll have to just try to go another time. And uh, and so then I was on Saturday morning. If you were with me, let me know. I think somebody in this room might have been with me. I don't remember who it was. But anyway, it was on a Saturday right there on Lakeview Road. And we were visiting a, uh, we were visiting a family. Was it you, Dave? Uh, Dave was with me. And um, he's the barber, by the way. That's where the men go. Um, anyway, but um, Dave was with me. We visited a little family on bus number two that he, he was looking after, taking care of a bus call. And while I was there, I just walked over to the street. There's a family parked in a pickup truck. And, and, uh, and I struck, gave them a gospel track and invited them to church and so forth. And then all of a sudden, from across the park, I said, Pre- I heard preacher, preacher. And a uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, young, young adult man, uh, Daniel, uh, came uh, running across the street. Pastor, Pastor, good to see you. I said, man, good to see you. And, and uh, he just had a rough way and then came to church here as a kid and just got back from rehab. And, and, uh, and uh, I said, you know what? I said, it's, it's funny I see you here. I said, I, I, I was, I was going to go see your uncle in, in, in the hospital the other day and I didn't get to see him. And I, and, and I, I, I had it on my mind. But uh, uh, he said, well, he's home from the hospital. I said, oh, okay. Uh, I said, is he doing better? I said, no, he's not really doing better. I said, you know, well, I have to try to get to him. He said, he's right here in this house. I said, he lives right here? I didn't know that. He said, he lives right here. He said, it would be great. Can you come see him? I said, sure will. And we went in there, Brother Dave and I. And it was sweet, wasn't it? It was sweet when he got saved. And Ed Brooks got saved on November the 19th. And he died on December the 1st. A young teenager used to come to this church. He called and he said, Will you witness to my daddy? And I arranged a time. I went and witnessed to his daddy. And Paul Wood got saved on uh, July. Excuse me. Uh, got saved on September the 24th. And died on the 28th. Four days later. Now, you'll get some attention doing all that silly stuff. But you want a fulfilled life? You give attention. You seek needs. Do what Jesus did. Just go around your life looking for needs. 
people who need the Lord, people who need love, people who need encouragement. And spend your life giving attention to those who have needs. Shall we stand? Father, bless them.